Well, good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord this morning. Let's let all mortal flesh keep silent before the Lord this morning. When uh, we have our prelude time, if we could just take the time to reflect on the Lord and what he may want to do with us. Let's pray for him to have his will in our hearts and lives. If you have not done so yet, uh, you may have seen in this little uh, information sheet out there that there's an uh, we're working on a new app for a church directory. Uh, there's going to be some pictures taken, I think, today. And if you have one you want to submit, you can send it to Donna at mypsbc.org, and she'll take care of making sure that you get it in. There's a deacon's meeting today at 3.30. There's a ladies' uh, women's ministry kickoff from 3.30 to 5, rehearsal at 5 today, and church council will meet next week. Um, if you are with us for the first time or the first time in a long while, we say welcome. If you'd like to know uh, more about us, uh, following the service today, uh, Joey Burnett. Now, if you don't know him, it's that big guy right there. Wave at him. So, yeah, he's waving. He'll be out at the welcome desk and he can tell you how you can best connect with us and find out what we're all about. And also there'll be some men in the lobby who will receive offerings today. And if you're more comfortable putting it in the black boxes over uh, as you're going out the door, there'll be one on the wall as you go out, one on the wall as you come in. Uh, both of those will be to your right, either coming or going. Let's prepare our hearts for worship as Arena leads us.
Amen. And we have a blessed assurance that we hold on to, and that's our relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. Once you stand together as we sing that great old hymn together, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. I'm born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, and this is my song. I'm praising my Savior. This is my story, this is my song, I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Angels descending ring from above, echoes of mercy. Story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, I'm praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest, and I am my Savior. Watching and waiting and looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. Until he called my name I'm so glad he changed me Darkness held me down But Jesus pulled me out I'm no longer 
abound. I'm so glad he changed me. See, I'm now a new creation in Christ. The old has gone, there's new life. I live by faith, not by sight. There is a new name written down in glory, and it's mine, yes, it's mine. I've met the author of my story, and he's mine, yes, he's mine. Sin had left me blind, but Jesus opened my eyes. Now I see the light, I'm so glad he changed me. Now I'm walking free, I've got the victory, see it's all over me, I'm so glad he changed me, see I'm now a new creation in Christ, the old has gone, there's new life, I live by faith, not by sight. Because the great Ambi tells me so. I am who I am because the I am tells me I'm so. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am. Jesus is mine. 
Good morning, church. So good to see each of you today. If you're glad you're here, say amen. Oh, now you look a little bit better and you smile. There you go. You even look better when you smile. So good to see each of you. And uh, I'm smiling today. I'm rejoicing today because as far as I know, today was the last day. It's going to take me an hour and 15 minutes to get to church. All right. And uh, so I'm so thankful for that. We've got a crazy week. So you pray for your crazy pastor. All right. It's it's on. It's on, so the movers are coming tomorrow. They're going to start packing. They'll load up on Tuesday. We close on the house in Columbia on Wednesday. We close on the house here on Friday, move in on Saturday. And, uh, and hopefully I'll make it to church on Sunday, all right? Oh, it's so good to see you. If you're a guest today, it's an honor and a joy to have you. So glad that you are here and a part of this service today at Poplar Springs. If you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to look with me again this morning to the book of Titus. Titus chapter 1. And uh, I'm learning more and more about uh, our church and the history of Poplar Springs and, and you know, what I'm discovering, what I'm, what I'm reading and, and seeing. I'm, I'm very excited that there's a great foundation, a great biblical foundation that we get to, to continue to, to build upon. And I'm very thankful for that. I, I know a couple of weeks ago, I told you about my grandson and the little toy that he had and thinking about building a house and what really matters when you build a house. If you go to Pinterest or if you go to HGTV, they may say it's all about the color and the trim, right? But if you ask a builder, he's going to tell you what? What's the most important part of that structure? The foundation. He's going to tell you that every single time. If you ask people, why do you go to whatever church you go to, you might get a lot of different answers. You might have somebody say, well, I go to that church because of the music, or I go to that church because uh, my family went there for years, or I go to that church because of the different ministries. I had one guy tell me the reason we visited your church, this was several years ago, he said, the reason I visited your church is I got a copy of your budget. So he was, he was kind of really into where does the church spend its money and those kind of things. And so you, you may have all kind of different reasons why people go to church. But, but what are we building on? That, that's the real issue. What is that church building on? And so I hope that we would never say we're just going to build on tradition for tradition's sake. I hope we would never say we're going to build on preference just for preference sake. I pray that all of our hearts would be in a spirit of agreement when we say we want this church to continue to be built on the foundation of the Word of God. And so I believe it is God's will. I believe I could argue this from the scriptures that it is God's will that we build our lives, our families, our ministry, the church, this entire body on the foundation of the rock of the word of God. 
And so having said all that today, I want to, because it kind of sets the tone of where we're going. Uh, I I tried to answer a question last week from the scripture, what is God looking for in a pastor? Today I want to deal with the second question is, what does a pastor do? I remember years ago, I was on a church staff in Greenwood, South Carolina, Harris Baptist Church, precious, precious people there. And one of the the young guys that was in the children's choir, he he came with his mom to church one day and he uh, was just kind of walking the halls and he kind of peeped into the office. And I said, well, hey, how are you? And he said, what are you doing here? I mean, he probably heard that preachers what? Go ahead and say it. That's it. Go ahead and say it. Only work one day a week, all right? And so I cut it with him a little bit and had some fun. But what what does a pastor do? Well, if we're going to build on the foundation of the Word, we need to let the Word help answer that question. Amen? We really do. And so Titus chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 9. So if you have found your place, whether your Bible, your device, I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. Matter of fact, hold your Bible or your device up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing Word. Look with me at verse 9. He must, speaking of the elder pastor, shepherd, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. For there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of his own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for just the sunshine today. And Lord, just the promise of spring that just seems to be right around the corner. God, I love the colors as we drove in today and just mindful that God, you created all those things. The blue skies, the trees, the leaves, Lord, just the white, the purple that we saw today. God, it's just just majestic. God, I thank you that you are not only creator, but you are savior and sustainer. And today, Lord, I'm asking you to take your word and God calls it to resonate in our spirit and our heart today. God, give us ears to hear and a heart to receive your truth today. 
And God, for what all you do, God, we will give you glory, we will give you praise, and we will give you honor for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated. What is a pastor to do? Well, look with me at verse 9 again. He begins by saying this, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught. The, the phrase there, hold fast, is a very interesting word. It means to embrace, to fasten, something that is firmly fixed. In our day, we would say maybe super glued. Have y'all ever played with super glue? Maybe you're smarter than I am, all right? But I, was, I had a pair of glasses one time that broke right here on the corner. And I thought, you know what, I am, I am very, I used to say cheap, but, but somebody said, don't say cheap. That just sounds bad. So then I started saying frugal, all right? So I'm, but I'm cheap, to be honest with you, all right? So I thought, you know what, instead of going, you know, the optometrist and going through all that, you know, the glasses, as far as the lens are fine. And so I just took some super glue and I thought, man, just a little pressure and those things will be fine. And they were, for about 20 minutes, stuck to my index finger and my thumb, all right? It's an act of Congress to get that separated, all right? It, it was very, very painful. But the idea is something that is so attached that you can't separate it. You understand? I mean, so, so think about that. Something being super glued together. I'm going to hold fast. I'm going to hold firm. I'm not going to let it go. So first, I would say this. What is a pastor to do? First of all, he must be devoted to truth. He's going to hold fast, cling to, affirm, never let go of the truth of the Word of God. The writer of Proverbs said this in Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. I would submit to you that there are times in my life if I'm going to hold fast to the truth of God's Word, it may mean I have to let go of other things. Somebody say amen. And I would submit not only is that right for a pastor, that's right for every disciple of Jesus. In order to hold fast to the truth, it may mean you have to let some things go. I've learned in the last many years of pastoral ministries, I have to let numbers go. I have to let attendance go. I have to let the budget sometimes go or style go or tradition go or any preconceived ideas. Because if I'm not careful, numbers will drive me. Okay? Now, do I want to grow? Yes, but we want to grow the right way. And if we are spiritually healthy, we will grow the right way. And there's only one way to be spiritually healthy, and that's to have the right kind of diet. So we're going to hold fast to the Word of God, which may means we have to let some things go. You can't do everything all at once. How many of you have ever gone to the grocery store? How many of you have ever gone to the grocery store when you really just didn't want to go to the grocery store? How many of you have ever gone to the grocery store, you got your groceries, you came back home, and you wanted to get those groceries in just as fast as you could? How many of you have ever tried to go as fast as you could and you took too much at one time? 
And so, man, you're trying to grab all those bags or, and, and you're going in and you got too much in your hands and something falls out and it happens to be a, the eggs. They're $40 a pack now, all right? I mean, whatever you do, don't drop the eggs, right? Sometimes we can drop things. One of my chief concerns right now in the very beginning of this ministry is i got to be sure that I hang on and am attached to and affirm to the thing that matters most and not get sidetracked by other things. I believe that the mission statement of this church is biblical in nature, and I want to hold true to that. The mission of Popper Springs Baptist Church is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't you want to hang on to that? I mean, that is what should drive us and motivate us that we could see people coming to Jesus. Our vision statement is growing disciples that connect upward, inward, and outward. I want to stay connected to that. And so I've got to be careful And I would challenge you, you be careful that that we want to hold firm to the the word because we know that it's right. What are you hanging on to today? What's taking up time, space, energy in your life? You know, we, uh, I told you the movers are coming tomorrow and there's, there's probably, I'm not kidding when I say this, there's probably eight boxes in our garage that we never unpacked. And I've begged Pat, don't open them. Let's just take them straight to the curb. Let the dump truck come and throw it away. Didn't work. (laughs) I don't know what it is. The older I get, I just don't like clutter anymore. That may shock you, but I don't. I just, I don't like clutter and I, I, I'm just getting tired of stuff. What, what's precious to you today? What do you make room for? And by the way, we make room for what we want to make room for, right? What are you making room for? What is precious to you? What's motivating you? right now. My prayer would be that you, our staff, our entire body would hold fast to the Word of God. So number one, what what is a pastor supposed to do? According to the Bible, the number one responsibility I have is I have to be in the Word. If I go to Acts chapter 6, and you can read that on your own, But look at that. It's not that the pastor is not to to wait on tables. But but the emphasis there was, if I do that, then I'm going to give up something else. And the number one thing that a pastor has to do, he has to be in the Word. Number two, what is a pastor to do? Number two, A pastor must be diligent in teaching the truth. Look with me again at verse 9. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught 
so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So if I am in the Word and the Word is in me, I can teach and preach and model that truth to you. So you could say one of the most important things that a pastor does is he feeds you, the congregation, with the Word of God. In John chapter 21, Jesus is talking to Peter and he says three things. He says, feed my lambs, tend my lambs, tend my sheep. So it could be that one of the major goals and responsibilities of a pastor is to feed the congregation with the Word of God, a steady, healthy diet of the Scriptures. When my boys were growing up, they would eat us out of house and home. Six boys, two girls. I used to keep up with how many gallons of milk we went through a week. I used to keep up with how many loaves of bread we would go through a week. And finally said, you know what? That is absolute nonsense. We're just going to go to the grocery store and we're going to buy it and we're going to get Hershey's chocolate to go with it. All right? Just enjoy it. But man, the boys could eat. And while they were eating breakfast, they were asking, Pat, what's for lunch? While they were eating lunch, they wanted to know what was for the snack. And while they were eating the snack, they wanted to know what was for supper. When they were eating supper, they wanted to know what we were having for breakfast, right? I mean, it was this vicious cycle. It never stopped. Now, I grew up in a family where the kitchen never closed. And that's the truth. I grew up, my mom and dad was like, if you're hungry, eat. Pat grew up in the exact opposite. After supper, the kitchen was closed. Now, it took a little while for us to find a happy medium. And I'm glad to report to you, the kitchen never closes. Hallelujah. Man, they could eat. Do you know one of the things I want to see? I want to pastor a church where the people are always eating and feasting on the Word of God because His kitchen never closes. Amen? That we are a people of the book. We're, we're feasting on the Word. We're building our lives on the foundation of Scripture. We're just going to constantly be full of the Word. I want you to be able to share with people in your own relational network that we have a church that loves the Word of God. We, we sing the Word. We pray the Word. We preach the Word. We teach the Word. Everything we do, every single ministry is about the Word. If you're, if you're a fisher of men in the men's ministry, I'm, I'm glad that you are. And we want, if you're not connected, we want you to get connected. And I can't wait to get here so I can be more connected to that. But what all that we do, we got to be in the Word, right? Today, ladies, you're going to have an opportunity to, to, to meet and talk about ladies' ministry. And that's a wonderful thing. And I want you to be there today. But I'm telling you, it's got to be centered around the Word, whether it's music, it's centered around the Word. If it's the Joy Club, it's centered around the Word. If it's children, if it's youth, whatever it is, got to be a people from top to bottom and all the way through that is about the Word. And when you talk to people, that's what I want you to say. 
We've got men and women, boys and girls. Every week we are feasting on the Word of God, and we love it. You say, Pastor Kim, what if I don't love it? Here's what I want you to do. Keep your mouth shut. (laughs) Amen goes right there, all right? Let's be diligent. So I'm, I'm called to be in the Word. I'm called to preach the Word and to be diligent in teaching. The first Peter... 19 calls the Bible the sure word. I, I got to be honest with you. This Bible's been awful good to me. The Word of God's been good to this old redneck. It's the only book I got in my library that's a living word. It's the only book that I have that the Bible calls itself a faithful word. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. When you read the Bible, the Bible reads you. Why? Because it's truth. And because it's truth, it always tells the truth. Because it's faithful and true. No other book lifts me up when I'm down like the Bible. No other book can deflate my ego when I am full of pride like the Bible. No other book gives me wisdom and direction when I don't know what to do like the Word of God. And no other book corrects my steps when I'm heading in the wrong direction like the Scriptures. No other book helped me understand that I was a sinner. No other book showed me the glorious Savior named Jesus who loved me and was seeking for me. No other book I've got talks about the gospel, the the hope that we have. I found nothing wrong with the Bible. I believe it to be right, righteous, pure, living, and faithful. I know for a fact that I am saved. Say, Ken, how do you know that? Because the Bible tells me so. I know in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep All that I've committed unto him against that day. Science has been trying to figure out how the world began. I know how the world began. In the beginning, God. That's why I know our mission statement is right because it's biblical. I know that our our vision statement is right about making disciples because it is biblical. That's, That's the picture of sound doctrine. So I can be a faithful pastor. I can be a loving husband. I can be an in-tune dad and teach children and my grandchildren. Why? Because all that we are is going to be shaped by the Word of God. It's an eternal Word. The Bible says that heaven and earth can pass away, but His Word will stand forever. Lastly, I would say this. What's a pastor to do? A pastor is not only devoted to the truth, not only is a pastor to be diligent in teaching the Word, but that pastor better be discerning when it comes to false teaching. Look what he says in the latter part of verse 9. And then the rest of the the chapter deals with, with this particular issue. 
So he must hold firm to the trustworthy word is taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Do you know that the only way that you can recognize what is false is to really see clearly what is true? I know you've heard this. At the Mint, when they, they're teaching their men the difference between a, a real, authentic bill and a counterfeit bill is to never study the false bill, but it's to study the real bill. And they study it so intently that they see what is real and authentic, and, and when they see what is fake, it's, it just sticks out just like that. And so one of the things that God calls a pastor to do is to know the truth because he's in the Word, he knows the Word, and because he knows the Word, he teaches the Word, and he's teaching the Word. If he hears anything in the body that does not resemble the Word, do you understand it's my responsibility to call that out? Now, you talk about tough, that's tough. So, Ken, what if we had a teacher that was not teaching the truth? We would have to expose it because that's what the Bible says. We would correct it because that's what the Bible says. The, the, the idea isn't to just remove someone. The idea here is to restore. That's, that's the beautiful part of grace here is it helps us to know what is right versus what is false and then to restore. So I, I don't want there to be a bunch of Christian atheists in our church. Christian in name, but not Christian in belief. You with me? I want our yea to be yea and our nay to be nay. If there's anything that's being taught that is not Scripture, then that has to be stopped. And the idea of, of rebuking and exhorting, I mean, you know, 1 Timothy has a lot to say, or 2 Timothy rather, chapter 3 has a lot to say about that as well. To reproof means to deal with a wrong belief or a wrong behavior. Now, you don't do that in the absence of love. So let's just suppose Pat's teaching a ladies class. I'll use you because you're a safe person to use, okay? This is just a story, Pat, okay? Just an illustration. But let's suppose you're teaching a Bible study, and I realize that what you're teaching does not reflect the Scripture. Let's say it's tradition-based. Let's say it's man-centered. Let's say it's a, it's a gospel that is foreign to the Scripture. That means I would love you and I would love this body so much that I would go to you. We would sit down and we would walk through the Scriptures to see what the Scriptures say about what is being taught. Because the idea is not just to remove you, remove you, but the idea would be to restore you, that you would teach what is right, and that we would never have to question what our teachers are teaching because they're teaching the Bible. Does that make sense? And guess what? I get to do that. Happy, happy, joy, joy. So the idea is we're going to, if, if there's wrong belief and behavior, then we deal with it. 
If there's behavior in the body that's known by the body to be something that's not scriptural, then we love each other enough to go and sit down and figure that out. Does that make sense? Not getting a lot of amens on that one. Reproof to correct. Correct means to restore. It's a picture word that somebody has fallen down and you have picked them back up and restored them. Reproof, correction, instruction. It means teaching and training. And so you really want to know what this text says a pastor should do? pastor should be in the Word. A pastor should teach the Word. And a pastor needs to expose anything that's not the Word. Now, you know what I would expect out of you? I'm going to tell you real quick. Here's what I expect out of you. I expect you to be in the Word. I expect you to be able to know the Scriptures and let the Scriptures help shape your own life. And I would expect you to love each other so much that if you saw something in the body that did not connect with the truth, that you would love people enough to help set the record straight. Amen? Amen. So let me go back and ask a couple questions and we're done. So what are you holding on to today? Whom are you trusting in? Is it Jesus or is it works? What are you building your life on today? What are you building on, period? How do you spend your time? How do you spend your energy? What drives you? My prayer would be that there's going to come a day when we can ask those questions of each other and that we have such a, an assurance that what we build, what we teach, what we share, what we organize, what we give ourselves to, we can know for a fact that we're building on a biblical foundation. We're building relational environments. We're building on things that can be reproducible generation after generation after generation. I want this church to be viable and relevant 50 years from now. The Lord doesn't come back. And that means, listen, that if the Lord doesn't come back before then, I mean, there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of people to reach. So we've got a great work to do. And so I'm, I'm just going to encourage you, if, if, if you don't have a steady, healthy diet of the word, then my prayer would be God would do something unique even in this service right now to cause you to want, to desire, to know him and to know his word. So Lord Jesus, even now today, God, we come before you. And Lord, really the answer to some of those questions could be all over the map. Lord, my prayer would be that if someone is here today and they do not know you, that God today 
would be the day they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. God, maybe there's someone here today that, God, maybe the Holy Spirit has just brought a level of conviction because, God, we, we make time for so much, but sometimes we do not make time for you. Lord, sometimes we, we may read, but, God, the book that we don't read is the only book that can allow us to know your heart in a deeper and greater way. God, a lot of times we make decisions based on how we feel instead of trusting that, God, your word has a word for us for every situation. Whether it's work, whether it's marriage, whether it's whatever, God, your word has a word. And Lord, I pray, thank you for our history. Thank you for the foundation that we get to build upon. But Lord, it's up to us now to continue to build on a foundation of the word. And so Lord, I pray that we would have hungry hearts and a, a really healthy appetite to feast on the riches of your word. Lord, maybe somebody needs to join this church today. Maybe somebody just needs to come and to pray. God, maybe somebody in this room needs to let something go so they can hold firm to your eternal truth. So Lord, you have charged this invitation and we give it to you in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Brother Scott, this praise team are going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And if God's spoken to you and you need to make a public response, I'm going to encourage you to do that. Trust him. Trust him. Just as I am. Oh God.
Would you lead us in prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for this time when we can come together as a body of believers to hear the Word, to read the Word, to ponder the Word. Lord, help us to be students of the Word. Help us to have the attitude of learning, Lord. Teach us, Lord. Help us to be teachable, Lord, as we interact with you and with others. Help us, Lord, to be the witness you would have us to be. And we ask this in your most precious name. Amen.